0: Welcome to Think Like a Penguin, the art of flying. This is the podcast to help you think outside the box, live more confidently against the grain and become your more authentic self. Penguins don't traditionally fly, but what's to say they won't one day? Alrighty, here we are in the car on the way to Sunur to get a ferry to Noosa, Pen something something I am so tired I can't even remember the name of it um, fairly stressful so yesterday morning 11 o'clock was when it all started I got a text saying FYI location has changed for the retreat which I thought was strange I questioned it and the lady said don't worry it's all part of like a village collective so if the location was staying it's still part of the retreat that I was expecting So, jumped in the car, got there after about three hours, and it was a water park. A bit like sort of a crappy kids' zone at Adventure World, Um, like a day water park with one undercover area that I guess was a bit like a generic restaurant zone. There was nobody other than local families, lots of scooters, lots of building work happening, there was a prison. Just nearby, and that was what we (laughs) were expected to stay in. So, we got shown to my accommodation after an hour lots of confusion, lots of questioning. And there was mould, there was rubbish outside, there was unconstructed um, walls, so part of the actual building still wasn't finished. And these were kind of just chalets, standalone chalets. I actually saw the bed sheets, which made me say I need to move, I don't know why for me that was more of a problem that they were dirty and had stains than the fact that there was electrics hanging out and mould on the wall but there was also no anything, so no shampoo, conditioner, uh, basically an empty room, so asked to move, got told to go to a different little villa which was already occupied by two people. And then I went up to get some Wi-Fi to the main central place, just under the canopy. And there was mutterings of other people not being happy and we were all questioning kind of what what was going on. This isn't what we booked. Two hours later, I find myself in a taxi leaving because the people that had organized the retreat hadn't checked the location out. They were told that last minute they were told it was going to change location so they weren't taking responsibility essentially it was all a bit of a botch up the manager of the location was nowhere to be seen and I think somewhere along the line there was a scam maybe the local scammed the tourist company in it was a lady from China who lived in London who couldn't get out because of Covid lots of confusion anyway most of us decided to leave there's only I think nine of us there Five of us decided to go, so I headed back to Ubud, arrived there at 9 p.m. after having left there at 11. All of this was happening with a torrential storm, <laughs> so constant rain, luggage completely drenched, I was drenched, I was so hungry, hadn't eaten since breakfast. And then I decided, because it's Christmas Eve, I couldn't actually get accommodation where I went I shared a lift back to Ubud with this lady. So I decided to get to Seminyak which was another two hours and book this accommodation. By mistake I booked five nights in the whole rush of it and I used her phone. So I used the booking.com on her booking, um, her account. So I can't get a refund because I wasn't able to get into her account again, the booking Agency bookie.com are taking no responsibility. The hotel are taking no responsibility. So eight hundred dollars later, I am on the move again. Still raining. Still soaked through because all my clothes are wet and I've not had a chance to dry them. And I am off to try and get to an island, which is about a thirty-minute ferry a ride away. So a bit like Rottnest Island off of Perth. The Challenge now I guess is I don't have enough cash. I've spent it all on Taxis, so hopefully there's a cash point I can get. I'm unsure if the ferries are even running because of the weather. It's really tropical stormy Just constant downpours and online when I've looked at ferries, it doesn't look like there's an option However, the saving grace in all of this is the local people have been absolutely delightful So I've got my driver here a day who's reassured me that he knows a friend or someone, <laughs> they all know someone at the terminal, the ferry terminal and they're going to help me get across. I've already booked what looks like a beautiful vacation. There's been reviews on it, they have um, a good high rating. It looks legit, I mean that was uh, true of my retreat, that looked legit also but I'm, my trust is a little bit wavered but we'll see. So hopefully fingers crossed i arrive i'm so tired i'm very hungry because i uh, my gut always goes a bit funny when i'm stressed so my gut's all over the shop but i just also haven't eaten enough in the last few days because i've been too worried about traveling here and there and didn't want to kind of stop and be inconvenient. i also i'm worried to get barley belly so haven't really eaten last night it was too late to get dinner so i had a breakfast this morning but just not really enough and went back and had a good cry to my hotel and then i heard another noise of crying this was after i found out i wasn't getting a refund and it was cats so (laughs) then i started laughing because it just could not get worse that the sound of cats crying is horrific the downpour i'm drenched i'm cold because i've been essentially wet for the last two days drenched through. None of my clothes are drying so I'm only putting on wet clothes. Um, can't really well I won't jinx if I say it can't get much worse because obviously much worse things have happened in Bali and Bali is a wonderful place so I'm gonna look on the bright side, think of the positive. Hopefully I will be in a beautiful location. I've booked a little chalet, a wooden kind of hut situation um in the top of the island in the hills with a beautiful view breakfast included so fingers crossed in about three hours time i will be in that warm dry location and can breathe a sigh of relief that's bali thus far so yeah i thought it'd be worth documenting it's quite other little things of note are ponchos everyone's wearing a poncho and i've been stupidly stubborn in saying no thank you no thank you but mostly it's because by the time someone's asked do i want to buy one which should probably set me back a dollar i'm already drenched through so i've not really seen any point um and then the dogs the wild dogs i'd forgotten about those they all mangy kind of poor skin and um yeah cuts and gross hair but cute nonetheless um so, probably worth mentioning, the first part of my Bali trip was actually beautiful. I went to a little place about 10 k outside of Ubud, again it was a hilltop, fantastic views over the rice terrace, it was a beautiful wooden um, kind of villa, I had a pool, and had some, um, oh, taxi drivers just got out of the car, alrighty, <laughs> oh he shot the boot. Oh my god, it's okay. I'm about to have a nervous breakdown. Um, yeah, so the first part of the trip was amazing. I went to this place called Alas Haram, which was a, a pool, luxury kind of pool location built into the side of the rice terrace. I think it was a man-made rice terrace, all for show, but insanely cool sculptures made out of earth, huge kind of 20, 30 foot sculptures all around this place and great atmosphere, lovely vibe. The day before that I went on an amazing bike ride around Ubud itself, went to see a traditional village. The guide was super knowledgeable about all things um Hindu and religion and their culture and ceremonies. We visited a water um a water not a ceremony I've forgotten the name of temple sorry I'm very tired A water temple, and learn all about the burial process. So they bury their um, relatives, their friends, their family for three years. Then they dig them up, clean off the bones, lay the bones out precisely back in formation. They then pay for a cremation, which can cost equivalent of ten thousand dollars. But they do it underneath this huge sculpture, this beautiful kind of paper woven sculpture usually it represents the god or the spirit and they often do it as a mass cremation because there's um it's too expensive to do your own cremation Um, so that was fascinating learning all about that and the whole family dig up the burial the body in the burial and they bury people with things that they like so that is a kind of gift for them into the afterlife and um, yeah, I won't go into it all because partly I'm a little bit distracted on this chaotic taxi drive, but also can't remember it all. But I'm holding on to the joys of my first two days here in Bali. I also borrowed a scooter and scooted around in the storm. That was hilarious. I was like a drowned rat. Um, super fun, a little bit. Um, Daunting because there was lots of potholes and crazy driving and it was night time so that was quite and the accommodation was down this windy hilly road so that was quite exciting but a real a real treat and I did get a couple of massages in Bali one of them was lovely the other one was not good but it's always hit and miss and they're only about 10 bucks each so it doesn't really matter and essentially that's it to date so I think I'll check back in and hopefully be able to report that the duration of my trip will turn around positively and I can um, put a smile back on my dial. I forgot to mention about the rice fields. So on the bike tour I did a 20k eco bike ride, So, um, or oh not eco sorry, e-bike ride so it had electric Oh, it was amazing and we went and stopped at some, bike, some rice fields and um, asked lots of questions so each field or little area about the size of maybe a house would take four months to grow if they do the gen- genetically modified version and seven months if they do the non-GM but most of them do the GM version and the rice is actually for themselves so all families will create their own rice usually so it'd be really unusual to sell it it's more just for their own consumption and they get friends and family to help them to take the husk off so the rice itself is picked by hand and then it's thrown out across the road to help it dry so for four or five days in the sun the heat of the tarmac they put it on the road so when we were cycling around we actually had to kind of weave past these laid out areas of of um, rice and then it is um, the husk is removed by hand when they're in the field and they're processing it usually there's about six or seven of them all working together and they might create from a football size field about 30 bags of rice and instead of payment the people that help to process it will get a bag of rice as payment so the (coughs) Um, people are either cutting it or they're sieving it or they're sorting it or they're banging it so we watched that process as well and the first day I went for an amazing explore just around some rice fields across the valley I could see people on swings so that's a real hit at the moment like a new tourist attraction you just go on these swings that swing out over the top of the rice terrace but um, not really my cup of tea I'd rather just get in amongst the locals and walk around so that's what I did but I came across kittens which are super cute they were really mangy and skinny looking but tiny adorable and then I came across a snake which was about two meters long quite slim but um, long enough to freak me out so I turned around and I asked the guide on the bike tour was it dangerous and he said no the bigger longer skinnier ones are fine so they're not going to hurt you they might constrict so they they might wrap around you if given a chance but the really dangerous ones are the black and white so they're black with a white ring around the neck and they're only about two feet long and those can kill you so thankfully it was not one of those but um, yeah in terms of the rice itself obviously it's pretty much eaten with every meal here in bali and indonesia and i had so much more respect when eating i had a beautiful mango sticky rice and just to think that the processing um, method and the time it grew and seeing how they create it. So another fantastic, amazing fact, and I, I just think it's amazing, the engineering that's gone behind the rice fields. So they're, they're completely natural. The, the water is just rainwater, but the way that the rice fields tier down from high to low, they, flow the water through these little channels all around the rice fields and there's usually about three millimeters sorry three centimeters of water and you do that just twice so the first of all you flush and you prepare the the soil with this kind of influx of water then you have to plant each rice plant 25 centimeters apart and each rice Field will, um, plant will create about a handful of rice at the end. But some husks are empty, some rice obviously is a bit dodgy. There's also bird scarers, rodent scarers. They actually keep the snakes in the rice fields because they eat all the little rodents and the rats. And they're saying that if you find a snake, you normally eat it because they've got a good amount of meat. And the guide was saying his friend or his neighbour, family member, someone he knew they lost a pig and they thought that the locals had stolen it, but then they found this snake with a pig sized shape bulge in its belly. So they realized the snake had eaten the pig. So they cut the head off the snake, ate the snake meat, but also ate the pig as well, which I don't know, seems remarkable to me. Um, but maybe it had not digested or I can't imagine what a snake infused pig tastes like. Um, Yeah, so I just love that it's so common, it's more uncommon to not grow your own rice for your family than it is to everybody just have a little patch of land or if you don't have your own, then you are kind of gonna share your local one or your community one, and it's always just passed down. And that the rice growing process has lasted thousands of years and it was introduced by the rice itself, a, a Japanese man, I can't remember the process of the engineering of the watering, the waterways and the system, but it's been around for many, many, many hundreds of years, if not thousands. And it just is one of the most amazing engineering feats in the world because it self-sustains. The water just flows to the, the river or the ocean and then obviously just rains back down. And because of the tropical climate, it's perfect for keeping that system going without any need for man's intervention, maybe just a rock to stop the flow to certain parts and to change the direction of the flow to other parts but um, yeah that's the rice growing process in Indonesia and pretty extraordinary and really beautiful as well just to, to watch and to see and yesterday in the stress of arriving at this location that was supposed to be my retreat that ended up being a shit show. I walked away, I just had to step away, so I went for a little 20 minute stroll, and turned a corner and I was on top of this insanely beautiful landscape and just green, different patches of green like a patchwork quilt, little people with their brimmed hats made of straw and the flags are there presumably to scare away the birds or maybe it's more of a spiritual thing potentially, Um, it's, it's like an offering to the gods but so beautiful, so relaxing. And I'm hoping that there might be a little bit of that uh, where I'm heading now, which is to a new island just off the south coast of Bali itself. I woke in sort of a sticky sweat. Basically, I didn't shower last night because i have been drenched all day in the monsoon rains. I'm talking quite quietly because I'm sat on the balcony in front of my... Grass roof hut, and first thing I wanted to do was have a shower. Turned on the water, went to turn on the water, and it wasn't working. And then I realised that none of the lights were on. They had some nice little lantern lights outside, and it is light, so I assume maybe it's just they go off automatically. But I couldn't find the switch for my bathroom light yesterday evening, and so I assume that was automatic. Essentially, the island has no power and no water. <laughs> There's a pylon went down in the middle of the night. It's a huge storm, super windy, and I guess I'm I'm actually in a very calm, peace, peaceful state, but I am trying to consider what is the lesson in all of this. So at every point along the trip so far something has gone either unexpectedly or has gone wrong or has been a challenge and to the point now where I was given a bucket and a small little pot and I had to wash myself um, on the stone floor with cold river water this morning. I don't mind. Actually, that for me is less stressful than being in a hotel with all the mod cons but around people and the city but for a trip that's cost me thousands of dollars I did not expect to be in the middle of a hut washing myself with river water from a bucket Um, obviously cold water so I'm considering what is the lesson is it that I naturally normally in life I'm quite a control freak I like to feel that I know every step I don't like to control people, I like to control my time. So I like to feel like I'm being productive or effective or feel like the day has been utilised in a way that I feel satisfied or happy with or that I'm making the most of every moment. So is it maybe a lesson in control that I just let go of needing to be able to go um, with the flow? I don't think so because in terms of not being able to turn on a light bulb. I don't think that's got anything to do with control of time. Is it about being okay with living more simply? Perhaps, but then I'm also very content living out of a hut with the rain coming down and no electricity and water. I don't know what the lesson is in this, but I think it is important to acknowledge that there probably is one. I'm sure some people on the island now there's there's probably I'd guess, a few thousand tourists. I'm sure there'll be some waking up who will lose their minds, who will think that this has ruined their whole holiday, that this is completely unacceptable, they'll be demanding refunds, they'll be getting angry at staff, and obviously I don't want to be that person. I'm I'm certainly not that person. I'm not feeling anything other than, oh well, another challenge in my week. But I think it's important when life doesn't go to plan that we... Try and seek a lesson in it, but also not victimise ourselves and not think, oh, woe is me, you know, why Why have I deserved this or get angry at nature or angry at a person or angry at the world because the universe is just doing its thing, Mother Nature's doing its thing. Um, we can't get angry at it. We're the ones who are trying to control our life to to kind of, like, override nature in a way. I know that sounds quite deep but i feel really sorry for those people that are about to get an earful some of the locals from tourists because i don't know how long it will take the the guy obviously who get brought me the bucket of water said he doesn't know maybe 2 hours i'm not sure of the engineering the infrastructure the electrical Skill or talent on the island we're pretty remote maybe they have to send someone over from the mainland um i don't know we'll see but for now no internet no flushing of the toilet unless i just fill it up with river water um obviously no phones no lights no hot water i was really looking forward to a coffee but never mind <laughs> i uh i might do the rain is still coming down so i borrowed a poncho I'm gonna have a little breakfast I have a fried oh it's a they call it a banana pancake so it's just a pancake um wrapped around a banana with some nice syrup on top made on the fire on a pan maybe they can make me a hot water for a coffee and then I'm going to jump on the scooter and just scoot around and explore I'm really excited so that shall be my day you might be able to hear the rain starting to get a bit heavier I think that'll be it it really it'll be raining on and off all week so just got to embrace it that is my morning thus far so no doubt I will fill you in again and hopefully this is turning into quite an interesting podcast I did not think that the holiday would be so random but here we are Let me set the scene. I'm just walking on top of a hill surrounded by trees, rainforest, banana plants, palms. So to my left I can see the ocean down the valley, so that's about 10 kilometres away. On the other side of the ocean I can see what can only be described as a small mountain. I'm not sure if that's Bali itself, so I'm on an island called Nusa Padina, and I got here off the back of a bit of a treacherous start in Bali. As you would have heard, I arrived at a retreat that just didn't happen, essentially. The location was a bit of a scam and got really bad vibes, as did most of the other people that arrived, and the majority of us left, so the last point i picked up my recorder i was in the taxi it was torrential rain and i was looking to get over to this uh, beautiful island i'm talking really quietly because i feel like i have to because i'm in nature um i you don't know i always feel stilled when i'm in nature so to my right is just more hills you may hear that there's a plane going over so you pass over this island on the way to Bali. So I got on a um, boat, and that in itself was quite a process. wasn't really sure of the what was happening, got bundled into this um, kind of queue. And someone took my bags. I have to admit, I cannot remember what I might have explained already or not. But got over here, even though. It was an hour leaving, broken English, wasn't really sure if I was on the right boat. There was about six that pulled in to this port. Um, I just followed my luggage, so I had my eyes on my luggage that was taken off me as soon as I got my ticket, and I figured my luggage would be on the right boat, going to the right destination, so I'm on this island, which I went to the west side, Yesterday, which took me about an hour on a moped, I'm not quite sure how I got there because there's very little road signs, it's all undulating, uh, really thick, 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 thick trees. So at the moment I'm looking out over the valley and I cannot see a road, it's just a blanket of green, it's beautiful. Unfortunately I can hear people probably chopping down some trees, but other than that, really beautiful and quiet and as far as I could see in front of me, I can't see any buildings or anything other than greenery. So yesterday, after I'd arrived, it was absolutely torrential. Uh, the first night and then the first day was all a bit um, on and off storm, so we're in the middle of the monsoon season. And I had to get to my accommodation with very little money, I didn't have any um, I had I had cash but not very money at all and I wasn't sure about an ATM so I was really stressed really hungry, quite hangry actually, it was about 3 o'clock and I hadn't eaten lunch so in in kind of my stressed hungry state I just couldn't fathom getting a taxi so this guy followed me, when we arrived people were kind of hundreds were there, ready to greet us, to get um, give us a taxi option, and this guy kept following me and pestering me, and I just turned around and said, I don't have the money, don't have the money. Anyway, turns out he got me on a scooter. So I was on the back of a scooter with my suitcase, with my backpack, obviously the driver and myself, and held on for dear life for about half an hour. He stopped off and I had some nasty goring on the way, and Then I woke up and I was on a mission to get to Klingling Beach which I probably said it wrong but it's on the other side of the island no direction, just asking people, so beautiful, lovely locals who you just kind of stop, you say the name and they go yeah yeah yeah, big smiles and just keep pointing in the direction you're going but I must have done 20, 30 turns not really having any sense of where I was going and then the Driving kind of got a bit more intense. The cars got um, more chaotic and there was more motorbikes. And and I could tell I was kind of getting close-ish because the little huts selling really local stuff turned into a bit more established buildings, selling more Western stuff and there was more bars and more accommodation. So after about an hour and a half, I found my way to where I needed to go and it was five dollars entry down following all the cars parked up my my moped and there were hundreds and hundreds of people but most of them were just getting a quick selfie at the top and only about a fraction probably two percent of people were, were willing to do the walk down so not a walk more of a climb so absolute sheer cliff edge drop probably I'd guess I'm thinking 300 meters maybe more but it took me half an hour to just climb down it really uneven um, rocky kind of path I guess made into steps there was a handrail all the way down just bamboo and absolutely need to hold on to that or sort of fallen off and bits of rope in places, but quite treacherous, very treacherous actually. And halfway down, this lady came, was coming up and she said, you're not a doctor, are you? And I said, no, no, sorry. And explained there was a guy that had dislocated his shoulder at the bottom, which I could not think of a more horrific place to do your shoulder because to get back up again... I'm assuming like I had to use both arms to pull myself up so this poor guy had gone for a little dip in the ocean the waves were really really big really crashing really unpredictable I was too worried to get in so I just went in at kind of waist height in the whitewash but some people went out I heard that someone had um, been swept away and drowned about five months ago so even just looking at it before I heard that fact I was not going to go in the water and this poor guy had just dipped him and got picked up and smashed down onto the sand and his shoulder popped out and actually saw him as I was coming down onto the beach, I saw him with his armless sling and had a quick chat and they decided they just had to get up. So that was really horrific, poor, poor guy. Um... I did actually end up seeing him again today, which is so bizarre, but um, all was well. Apparently he had his arm out, dislocated for about four hours, but someone did it um, in a local clinic and popped it back in. And today he seemed in high spirits. He was in pain, but not in the agony he was in yesterday. So this beach was quite possibly the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So the water was super crisp. And so blue, just insanely beautiful blue colours. And then the um, sand's really yellow and really um, perfect, pristine. And then all around it's like this cove just um, completely enclosed by these cliffs. A little bit like what I'm standing on now. Um, Just with a beautiful secret kind of beach at the bottom. I'm just going to move away because... There's some people chatting. You probably can hear. So that was an adventure. By the time I'd had a little dip and then started on my way back up, um, I was sweating like a pig. It was super muggy, so super hot and um, on off rain. But I just had my sports bar on and then walked, or climbed, back up to the top and was drenched in sweat because it was just so intense. And then I had to find my way back, which I have no idea how I managed it. Again, just asking people, lots of broken English, just pointing, general smiles, nods. And it took me about two hours to get back. One thing I did do on the way back is stop because there was this guy whose leg was completely cut open. He was from Norway, good English, and he basically said he stacked it the day before he was going... Too fast around a bend in the wet. I just completely slid off. And his whole leg was just like an open, oozing wound. Um, And his mate helped me to find an ATM. And the way his mate was driving, I was like, I'm not surprised. Because it was just hectic. He was just like, like, shot off. Didn't even look. Didn't wear a helmet. I thought, you absolute muppet. So I guess so many tourists come over here the the best way to get around is on a moped and i think they just think that they know what they're doing and clearly (laughs) accidents happen so a bit weird to see two awful accidents in one day um but a good reminder just to take it easy so i managed to get back at around three four o'clock and at this point I wasn't sure if the electricity was back on so the day before we had had a tree crash into a local pylon and pull down the wiring so I woke up with no water and no electricity so I was I just swung by the accommodation just to check and it was all good it was all back on after about um three hours so about nine ten o'clock apparently It was all good to go. So, I had a quick shower because I was still like sweaty minging from the the beach and the travel, and then headed down into the local village and sat in front of the ocean. So, it's about 30 minutes away at a beach club and had just the most beautiful meal and like these gorgeous drinks that are kind of like a mocktail, really. And it's all for like 10 bucks. All up, which is incredible. Watch the sunset and the, the beautiful traditional boats. So they've got the kind of spider legs hanging off either side and the extra little bit of kind of like big feet and um, wooden-carved boats. So just watch them and um, they had some nice music on and super super chill, but I think I've got a bit too much sun, so after the day of exploring, I had a really early night and return back to my accommodation and then today I got up quite early and I went to the port and waited for the rain I think to stop, I wasn't sure why we were waiting, again broken English, didn't really bother asking, I figured everyone was there to snorkel and after about an hour the rain did seem to settle down and we all bundled onto this boat and headed out for a morning of snorkelling, four different spots. The first spot was supposed to be Manta Ray. You can hear a scooter heading off. Um, So we tried two different spots to see the Manta Ray. The group ahead of us saw it and they called us over from their boat and then I think we scared it off. So we didn't get to see a Manta Ray. The third spot, we moved along the coast and just kind of jumped out and hands down the best snorkelling I've ever seen. I've been really fortunate to do... little bit of diving and and various snorkeling spots around the world and it was so clear and so crisp and just the best visibility and all the colours and the fish were exquisite and the fish followed me so um we were told that might happen just finning along and got this um little following group of fish which was really cute and then um by the fourth spot I jumped in and was getting pulled along, so it was a really insane current, but it was on off raining all day, and I just had a swimming costume, so actually it was freezing, kind of shaking, and blue lips, blue nails, and uncomfortably cold, so I was glad after a couple of hours that we headed back. And then because I think yesterday took it out of me, maybe a little sunstroke, and because I um, got really cold this morning, I was just needing to chill so I went for a massage and this place I'm trying to figure out whether it's wise to just give her a huge lump sum of money or whether that would be disrespectful or to be honest they're just happy with things they how they are but I rocked up to this room and it had four beds massage beds and it was just just like covered in damp the smell it was almost like a kind of disused neglected garage and yeah it was a sore sight it made me feel quite sad but I will definitely go back tomorrow because it's a beautiful massage and I um yeah I guess that's that's just how they roll here and I did drive past scoots past maybe three or four different spas they call them and they all kind of look the same so I guess all I can do is go and um, pay for a good massage and and support them that way but it made me feel sad that they they clearly can't afford to upgrade or make their facilities a bit more inviting because I reckon tourists would be put off by the fact that it's really old and damp and looks a bit basic. But when on the table, it was absolutely delightful. And then I just went for another little sit by the ocean at a different beach place. Oh, I forgot I had to, I had gone on a bit of a scooter. I was going to go to this temple that's at the bottom of a cliff where you walk down these blue steps. Apparently it's quite steep, a similar kind of walking or climbing down as yesterday at Kling, Kling But I was just too tired, so I went to a, a closer beach instead, Crystal Bay, and just um, sat and sketched for about half an hour and then scooted back. And it is now approximately six o'clock, and I'm just sat chatting. <laughs> And recording this, looking out over the absolutely amazing view, contemplating whether I can be bothered to get back on the moped, because food is about half an hour away if I want to head into the local village, which is along the coast, or I might just call it a night and go hungry and just enjoy relaxing. Some new guests have arrived and they are very noisy. Um, I think they're shouting... Volume is their normal talking volume, but you can hear them behind. Yeah, that's just him chatting. Uh, Maybe I will go to the coast so I don't have to be around that. Okay, that's me. Day, I don't know what, six or something. And I've got, I think, two, three more nights. I'm out. Bye. It's about five o'clock and I am back on the hill, Ayu Hill, spelled A-Y-U, and then hill. Absolutely stunning. Got the monument to my left, got the coast um, to my left. Also, I can see Bali across the water I'm just looking out over the valley. It's just stunning. And I'm really tired. There's no reason why I should be tired because I've just been sightseeing all day. But been a beautiful day of discovery. I got a fiberglass tiny little boat from the harbour. I think it was a good friend of someone that works here at the accommodation that suggested that I go with him. I'm so glad I did because I ended up having the most authentic experience with this family in Noosa Lumbongan which is an island about 20-30 minutes by this little fiberglass boat that had a motor on the back and I specifically wanted to go and explore the mangroves. I wasn't sure what to expect. I had heard that you could do supping through the mangroves and on arrival it was all a bit confusing. They stood around for a bit. They were sorting out through seaweed. They're drying the seaweed. I later on found out that a lot of the people on that island are now harvesting seaweed as a post-Covid job because they lost their jobs doing other things in tourism or had, the guy that ended up scootering me around and being my guide for the day was a restaurant owner but he had to shut the restaurant due to Covid so I was sort of standing around in this shed taking it in looking at the seaweed different stages of being dried and laid out and then one person who could speak English came over and said what are you doing do you have a plan and then I, I said, no, unfortunately, broken English. I think I'd assumed that whoever was taking me on the boat was also going to then help me find the mangroves. As it turns out, the guy that asked me, did I have a plan, ended up being my driver for the day. Really lovely guy. He told me the guy that had brought me across on the boat was his brother. And the whole family are now doing this seaweed business for pharmaceuticals or cosmetic I wasn't quite sure but I don't think they eat it but there was quite a lot of different families and little um, huts where they were sorting this out all over the island so a bit like here on Nusa Badina, which I think is mostly bananas and coconuts it seems to be mostly seaweed on the other side because the earth isn't so fertile or they can't grow very much there. So a set off and got to the mangroves, had the place to myself. It was maybe uh, 600 metres or so, hard to tell when I was on a sup, but super narrow, only a couple of metres each way. And I just weaved my way through these muddy mangroves with these incredible roots all hanging out. And it was tranquil, it was beautiful. And then my feet started to cramp a little bit, as they do, on a sup, so i don't get to move them they kind of cramp up but did that for no more than an hour and then i was hungry so it's only about 11 but i've just been finding that i've been really really hungry all the time their breakfast is lovely it's a i go for the banana pancake every morning with some fresh fruit and a coffee but it just doesn't quite fill me up so 11 o'clock went to a traditional indonesian kind of cook place it was just a hut really that um, backed onto the beach which was absolutely stunning and I had a view across to Bali and there was a storm rolling in over Bali so super sunny for us on the beach and then all these dramatic clouds I took some lovely photos and then I had tempeh um, with a peanuts satay sauce and a beautiful mixed bean salad I wish I hadn't seen where it was prepared because, quite frankly, it was not the most hygienic. But the food produced from this little hole in this hut was absolutely extraordinary. I'm not quite sure how they managed it because I couldn't really see much cooking implements or any way you would be able to cook. But anyway, they produced this and there was one other couple in this place and they ordered a whole fish and this beautiful prepared grilled fish came out with rice and um, complements and stuff. So amazing and um, really super delicious. And um, one thing that I haven't really struggled with in Bali is my gut. So that's really good. Often people do get a bit ill because they either drink the water not from bottled, just from the tap, or they eat something a bit dodgy. Obviously rice is probably one of the worst for food poisoning if it's not cooked fresh. So Touchwood. I've only got two days to go or one and a half days to go, and I've not had any issues, so that was great. So then we set off on the scooter, and my guide, um, Maddie. So there's four names. You start with Wayan as firstborn, and then Maddie is the secondborn, and then Kutuk is the thirdborn, and the fourthborn. I've totally forgotten, but um, then they just rotate and re- keep repeating those. So, um, yeah, my my guide, Wayan, he first born. He took me on an island tour and I asked him how much and he said very honestly that he didn't know because he'd never done it before and he was just grateful for the opportunity to show me around. So in that moment, and also I saw his cute little daughter who had turned out to be three, playing with a ball that was completely deflated. I knew that I would buy her a new ball and then I just felt compelled he wasn't milking it or he wasn't trying to get money out of me but I could just sense that he'd had a really really tough time in the last two years and I then I also found out that they were all related and they were on this family kind of business together so I've decided in the early morning well before we stopped at an ATM that I was going to give them a much more money than really was the price for the day I guess and I found out what his wage was, which is $4 million. So $4 million is about $400, and that's his monthly wage. And so I paid for half of his monthly wage, so $200 equivalent, 2 mil rupiah. And I said, it, you know, this is a special thing, and I hope you are um, eased by this, and it, it's going to help, and... He was very humble, and I, I, I hope I didn't embarrass him. I really didn't, that was not my intention. I didn't want to pity or, you know, give charity, but hopefully it was actually well-received. It's always a tricky one in different cultures, whether you're going to offend someone or whether they just genuinely are going to like it. So a few sites that I was taken to was Dream Beach was one of them. Amazing, beautiful beach and it's really kind of curved um, over the cliff, there was this beautiful restaurant, super touristy though, um, and then I asked to see some surf spots, because I know that there was good surfing in Lombongan and took me to, again, a cliff edge and watched people jumping off the cliff and then watched people surfing, they were the tourists, and then I saw some fishermen doing their thing, literally crouched down with one line hung over a cliff probably about 20 to 30 foot below and they just sort of wiggle this one line and the water's really turbulent underneath them and then when they hoist this fish up then they've got a natural place to store it so they had amazing beautiful rainbow fish that they had it stored in like a mini crater on top of the cliff filled with water acts as like a enclosed kind of Tank or cage, I guess, until the end of the day. Whether they want to sell it live or or kill it and and sell it for food, but it keeps it fresher for longer. So saw them catch a big. I think it's called a parrot fish, and then also this thing that had a long beak. And I think the the guide said a trumpet fish, but his English was quite basic, so I'm not sure. But it looked like a swordfish or a kind of eagle. Sorry, an eel. Um, so that was awesome. And then there was this yellow bridge that was quite famous. The Blue Lagoon, as, ima- as you can imagine, was just stunning colour. And this enclosed lagoony bit where the water rushed in and beautiful blues and whites, just the current all mushed together. And to be honest, I think due to the sun or maybe just because I haven't really stopped since I arrived, I did a little jog this morning and that was super hot. Maybe I'm a bit dehydrated. I don't know, but I just was surprised. I was so tired. At about one o'clock, I'd had enough, really. So, got the little boat back to the mainland. Went and got a dragon fruit smoothie at a beachfront kind of bar. Unfortunately, all the beachfront bars they're always playing really loud music, and I just, I just don't really get it. I don't, I don't understand why that's a preference for tourists. I know I'm a bit unusual in that I like silence and nature, but I yeah I got as far away from the um, music as I could, but in the end I just downed my, my smoothie and left because it was annoying me how loud this music is, and I've struggled to find somewhere of an evening to eat that isn't pumping out music really, really loud. I was actually thinking about that, after I left there, I went and got a massage, and I was thinking about why do I not like noise. And it may be my childhood, because as I was having a massage, there was this really cute little boy, who was two and a half, apparently, and just watching his mum's phone whilst his mum gave me a massage. And it was, it was fine, it wasn't too noisy, but as a, it made me think, as a kid, I was never, ever, ever exposed to noise. We didn't have a TV, we didn't have phones when I was a child... My my childhood was just nature, just sat on top of my hill um, on my parents' land and just watching nature, which is very similar to what I'm doing right now. And maybe just because silence or just the sounds of nature was my upbringing and what I was used to, that's probably why I struggle a little bit now with constant noise in touristy locations. So tomorrow I am leaving I'm going back to Bali, I'm going to Legian for one night and it's really to see my friend Chandel, but also just to make sure I'm on the mainland ready to then fly out at midday the next day so I don't think there'll be much adventure tomorrow I'm not really looking forward to leaving the island because it's super peaceful and um, tranquil but the holiday has to come to an end. Okay, the last recording of my trip. So I'm in a hotel in Legian and I left the island of Nusa Padina yesterday via the speedboat, which is pretty pretty nice. Met some lovely German guys and had a chat with them on the way. And then the hotel is quite different. So different um, peeps here, different vibe. um, Definitely catered for kind of the Aussie tourist who's happy to sit around a pool and maybe have a cocktail or two or just a beer and um, yeah, make make their holiday more about relaxing and chilling by the pool. So I knew it would be quite a different experience from what I've had before. Lots of noise, lots of people around. Opposite a big bar that was playing kind of rock music, really loud into the night. But just a different different vibe, so that's all good. But when I arrived, I went to the ocean. So I met my friend Shindell here and then um, we just hung for a little bit and then I went to the ocean for a surf. And every time I've surfed, which isn't that many times in Bali, it's always been a real shock how much rubbish, how much kind of plastic and waste and crisp packets and even just logs or a piece of plastic and things that just, every single wave I caught there was something kind of stuck to me or bashed over stuff. It was such a shame. The waves were really perfect for what I wanted. I just hired a eight-foot board and um, nice and easy, just a foamy, and caught the little whitewash waves. So it was really fun, but such a shame that there was so much rubbish and so many people. People, It, it kind of gave me the vibe of when I went to India, where obviously post-COVID everyone's feeling the pinch and they've not worked. I don't think the government really gave much assistance financially to people. So... You could sense that there was this sort of desperation, and unlike on the island, where people were happy just to smile and say hello, here everyone's asking, do you want something? Do you want a taxi? Do you want a hire? Do you want a massage? Do you want to buy something? So as a shame, kind of, I understand it 100%, everyone's really in a kind of state of despair, because they've not worked for two years, with the borders being shut, but... That was mildly annoying walking along the beach and then yeah just the rubbish to see it piled up. They do a beach clean every day, apparently it gets washed in from other places, other islands but considering you can't drink the water here, so everything is bottled water and most people are drinking kind of cans or something that isn't from the tap so then there's just so much waste with that and then all the snacks and things. Um, I wonder how much is produced by the island itself. But they do their best to to clean it up. Randomly, i walked past uh, a skate park being built on Kuta Beach. So I walked from Legian down along the beach uh, to Kuta direction. So that's pretty cool. Um, Definitely an area catered for tourists, 100% tourism. And interesting to see a little slice of it, but not my cup of tea in terms of a holiday. Had a lovely evening, though. Went to a different couple of bars, one had um mini boxing so people who are short of stature would I guess call them dwarves. I hope that's politically correct in um Australia but in Eng- England that's okay to say. And they box and it was amazing how many people were queued up to watch um conflicted as to whether I felt glad that they had a way to make the money. Hopefully they're not exploited. We met the manager of the bar who also organised that side of things so yeah, I guess there's, there's been so many questions raised with my trip in terms of people making a living, people having to adapt due to COVID, people's perspective, even when times are hard. So the, generally the people have been amazing. I had one incident where this guy jumped out and um, I was going through a puddly patch in the ground in the on the road so I couldn't like swerve around, I was on my scooter and he definitely intentionally stood in my way and then he kept asking where are you going, where are you going and every time I tried to swerve around he would stop me and I got really angry and that's the only real example of when a person has clearly not approached in a nice way and he kind of was quite angry and desperate and he was clearly trying to get me to buy something or give him money but to be honest, for a whole week and I've probably met hundreds of locals that was quite a nice surprise that there was only one one example of that and yeah, aside from that I've had a lovely time but as always, going back to Perth and I think this is a de- um, it definitely shows that I'm so lucky and happy to live where I do because going back to Perth feels like I'm going back on holiday. Like it feels such a treat to return to Perth. I don't think there's ever been a place I've lived where I've wanted to return home after a holiday before. So very excited to get home, get back to my paints, get back to my cat, get back to certain nuances of living, being able to get up and and go for a, a run or a walk on the beach and not have to jump over rubbish or weave past people trying to sell me something so I am excited to board the flight.